Would you stand for the reading of the word? We want to start a series today called So Basic. Just so basic. Amen. And this term has actually made it into dictionary.com now because they don't print pages. They can put terms in and out that can be somewhat slang, slang or used as slang. But um, we're going to talk about find a window. And uh, I was going to tell you as I was praying over this that um, the Lord began to talk to me about his wisdom is foolishness to this world. And um, they would say that the wisdom of God, coming to church, doing the things that we do, that we love even, worshiping with our hands raised, and the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe, they would tell you that's so basic. Why would you do that? Why would you invest so much time in something like that? But I want to tell you that this is not just something that we do, it's something that we are. That when we come here and lift our hands and worship, we're not doing it because we're, we're just doing some activity we're actually supposed to be worshipers. That's what we're supposed to be in here. And we're supposed to love the truth and seek it out and search it out. So every time we come to a Bible study or a spirit life class, like Brother Reese powerfully taught this morning under the anointing, or, or we're under any kind of preaching, we're seeking to learn the truth of the Word of God or to reiterate or remind ourselves of the power of the truth and the fact that we love it. Because it's not enough to just know it. You have to love the truth. And so we want to remind ourselves that no matter what happens or where we go or who thinks uh, we, we have invested too much in this, I think we have only just begun. I believe that there's an opportunity in this world today to recognize that there is a window of opportunity open for the church. Amen. And I want to preach about that um, when... When all doors are closed, find a window. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 17. We'll be walking through this a little bit. So glad you joined us online. Get your Bible if you have it or join us as we go through. Verse number 17 says, For Christ sent me not to baptize. This is Paul speaking. And it might be confusing to start out here. Because he's not saying that he didn't baptize. He was correcting them as they were asking him, well, who baptized this person? And who baptized that person? They were taking credit for the baptism. And he was saying, no, I, I, I'm glad I didn't baptize you, but Cyprus and a few others. You can read that chapter if you'd like. And he says, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Not with wisdom. Everybody say, so basic. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Everyone say, the power of God. It is, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Verse 21, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Are you glad there's preaching? 
Are you glad there's salvation? Are you glad we have faith in God and can believe? Lord, we thank you for this word. We ask you to anoint the lips of clay and ask that you'd use my my voice and my mouth to serve the people of God. Get me out of the way and just let your spirit flow in this place, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you're going to sit down in body but not in spirit, you may be seated. Hallelujah. So basic has been used as slang. Came from the rap culture. It is especially directed as a derogatory term toward uh, young females who would be tending toward trends and wear their Uggs and go get their frappe latte or whatever else they were going to get. Basically predictable and unorganized style or interests or behaviors. And those basic things that were trends, they would follow them. And so they would say they're they're so basic because they're not interested in, in anything deeper than the boringly predictable and unoriginal. And so it was kind of a slang term, well, they're basic, so basic. And that term made it into the dictionary.com as the writer, the, the terminology expert, his last name was Solomon, he said that they put that in there. He was a lexicographer, I guess is how you call him. And um, I'm sorry, his name, her name was Jane Solomon, told Huffington Post when they asked about the addition, these particular senses of basic started as slang, of course, and then it, was, it became more widespread. And it was referring to drinking pumpkin lattes and wearing Uggs and caring about new brand names. Anybody ever heard the term so basic? Anybody ever hear that? It overcame uh, just the, the, the rap culture and it spilled out into modern day society and other people started using it as a new definition which basically differed from the use of the word before and so they put it in dictionary.com. They put words in and take them out depending on the lifespan or usage of the word but I, I want you to know that in the ignorance and foolishness and gullible person that it represented. It represented like a simple person, a person who was not interested in, in deeper things, but they just wanted to, to drive around in, with their top down, with their latte in their hand. And so that was interesting that they even referenced it toward young gullible females. But I want you to know that the scripture talks about the bride of Christ. And I'm going to make a hard right here and tell you that the church was never supposed to be so basic. The church was never supposed to be involved in only the predictable and the ignorant and be foolish and gullible. Even though the Bible here we read said that God chose through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The foolishness there does not mean we act foolish, but it actually means that the the understanding that having someone stand here with a microphone and having prayed and sought the Lord for a message would seem foolish to the world, but actually it's the conduit in which God speaks to his bride. It's the conduit in which God calls his bride out of the mundane and the normal and the foolish and the gullible and actually saves men and women's lives. It's the thing that builds the bride into something beautiful and ordains her with splendor and glory and pushes back the tendency to get lazy and sit down and get wrinkled garments for he said that his bride shall not be so basic but she shall be adorned and she shall not have spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So while it may be referencing slang 
thing in our culture. When God gets ready to come back for his bride, he's not looking for a bride who's so basic, but he's looking for a bride that has done the basics of being saved, washed in the blood, and filled with the Holy Ghost, that lives holy and acceptable, modest and chaste lifestyles, that removes sin and open windows of blessing from heaven. I ask you today, is that the bride you are being? Are you being the bride in Revelations 19, 7? Oh, we're there in Revelation 9. We're there, brothers and sisters. We're that close to his coming. And it says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come. That his bride has made herself ready. The basic I'm talking about today is not a mundane, I'm only interested in fashion and style and what the world culture is doing. I'm talking to a church and to a bride who has stepped beyond the cancel culture and stepped beyond where we are right now in the timeline and said, I'm making myself ready. I'm going to pray down blessings. I'm going to live righteously before God because I am I'm a bride, and I will not be so basic, but I will make sure I have my bases covered, and I'm living for God with all my heart. I don't know if you have stories that have lived through your young life into your adult life, but I have many of them being chased by bears and moose and all kinds of stuff in Alaska. They just kind of live on. Those are things that don't normally happen in most young kids' lives, but for me, I had a... Alaska upbringing, so I talk about it sometimes, and I remember we lived about seven miles from the base of a mountain range, and it was called Hatcher's Pass, and I love that mountain range, learned to snowboard in that mountain range, love that mountain range, and we would go up there and spend time, but we would forget, and my mom would lock all the doors on the house, and I didn't have a key, and we were playing in the woods, or we were driving my three-wheeler that I think I worked on more than I actually rode. Like, I'd ride it for 15 minutes and have to clean out the carburetor because it was full of water. Or I'd ride it for like five, six weeks, and all of a sudden the chain would hit the cowling, and I'd have to go find used parts at a local, at a local salvage yard to put my three-wheeler back together. We did all that stuff, and it was great. It was fun, and it taught you how to be what you needed to be as a person living in a rough environment. But but what we always forgot was that mom would lock up the house when we left, and we would be out playing in the woods, come back on our three-wheeler, come back from on our bikes or whatever it was we were doing after being gone either all day or most of the day, and the whole house would be locked up, and mom would be gone to get groceries or something. And we were like, what are we going to do? So we realized that early on this was going to happen. So at my house, I don't know how it was at your house, but at my house, because we lived far enough away from everything and it was safe, we always left a window open. The, not, not like open, but unlocked. You know what I mean? There was always a window. And it wasn't like I, I brought this window as an illustration, but... You couldn't fit through this window. Well, maybe we could fit one of you, one of the little ones, the skinny Leo could go through this window. But we always left a window unlocked. So whenever we would call mom, mom, we're locked out. She would, she would say, well, try to find a window open. And then we got wise and we always left one open. My, myself or either my brother or somebody, we always left a window open. And I want to tell you that there's beautiful imagery in the word of God. Here's another hard right. Sorry, I keep making hard rights on you. But here, there's beautiful imagery in the word of God when it comes to windows. The window in, in the word of God starts 
With first mention in Genesis where it talks about the windows of heaven would be open, that, that the windows of heaven were open in the flood of Noah. And it talks about rain coming from those windows of heaven, the breaking forth and the stratosphere of water falling into the earth. And that's referring to rain. And I love that Brother Reese read in Joel cha chapter 2 or 3. I can't remember exactly. I could quote it, but I, I can pull there real quick. It's chapter 2, and it talks about the former and the latter rain together is going to happen in the last days. I want to tell you there's already a window open, amen? In God's mind, there's a window of revival that's already open. It may look closed to us, but it's already open to him. And, and there's other ways of opening windows in the scripture. And I want to be someone who, who understands that when every door that's supposed to have been unlocked is closed, if, if all, hear me, if all the doors you thought would open stay locked, find a window, amen? Because there's a window open from heaven anytime you need one. How do we open windows? We open windows through prayer. We open windows through our giving. We open windows through service. We open windows in understanding that knowing that windows in Scripture represent certain things. But the windows of heaven are always going to have opportunity to be opened. And we still have a window in the house of God. Amen? There's still a window of opportunity for anyone that's still breathing to be saved. There's still a window of opportunity for your family members to come back home. There's still a window of opportunity for generations to be blessed. There's still a window that's unlocked. If you can't find a door open, find a window and crawl through it. We used to do it all the time. Home, believe me, I, I, if you study out windows in Scripture, I don't have time to go through all of it. I went through, I think, just about every word that's a window word in the Scripture to preach this sermon. And, and, and it all just started to get a little bit messy in my head. But I was wanting to study, and I overstudied. But if you look at the windows used in Scripture, you even see that Solomon put windows in that would cast light a certain way not only in his home, but in, this, in the tabernacle that he built for the Lord. And the way, reason why he did that was because they understood that the word window in Scripture also translated to sun or sunlight or sunset or sunrise. In other words, Solomon knew that it wasn't just a window, but it was a place where light entered. And the place where light enters, we understand, symbolically is representing Jesus Christ. So when you have no place to turn and when you're stuck in in a hallway with locked doors. I tell you, maybe the hallway application doesn't work so well, but when you're stuck outside the house or you're stuck outside of a situation and you can't quite seem to find a way in, there's always a window open with God. Amen? A prayer can open a window. We understand that the use of the word window in Isaiah 54 and 12 is shemesh, which means that exact thing, sun, sunrise or sunset. It means shining of battlement or armament at the pinnacle when the shields would shine light as they were arrayed in battle. It means those things to them. And so Solomon would have known that and he wanted to cast lights a special way into the actual sanctuary as, a, as an emblem of the Lord is our battlement. The Lord is the one who shines on us and we reflect off of that light. The Lord is the one who brings sun up and sun down. The Lord is our window of a new day. The Lord is all of those things for us and we understand that in scripture, in the New Testament we see him being the light and the one who guides us in the new 
and the one who gives us revelations. And so the fountains of the deep are open and the windows of heaven in Genesis and in Revelation, we find out that he opens up windows of blessings. And we also know that God answers prayer. Amen. Prayer is a window that we open. Everyone say, we open. Giving is a prayer that God opens. Giving is a window that God opens. Let me say that again. Prayer is a window that we open. When we go to the Lord in prayer, we're asking God to make an opportunity available. Three times a day, Daniel went before the window facing east, opened the window, and prayed to God. You know the story, Daniel in the lion's den, that he... he that God shut the mouth of the lion because of a faithful servant named Daniel. Why? Because Daniel knew how to find a window in prayer. And I wonder if there's things in our life that we're struggling with, we're battling with, you're having depression and discouragement over, which opens doorways to other spirits. And I'm praying that God would give us a wisdom and understanding today that no matter what doors are locked, you can open a window in prayer if you have to go in the morning if you have to go on your lunch break if you have to go at night you get to a window if you can't find a door open a window in prayer it's basic but it's true so basic prayer is the thing that moves God who moves the world amen he holds everything in his hand, and you're asking for his hand. You're asking the God who is all-powerful, the God who death bows to, the God who walks beside you. Don't forget who you're talking to. It is basic, but he's the God of all creation, and he is the God who opens windows. Amen? It's a portal. It's an access point. In Christ, we have an open window. And not only that, but in our giving, Malachi 3.10 says, Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me. Only few, there's very few places in Scripture where God says, Prove me. And he says, And prove me now herewith. In other words, Bringing a tenth of your income to the Lord does not seem logical to the world. That's a lot of money if you're making a lot of money. But if you bring it into the house, he said, it may not make sense or prove out to the world. It may be so basic and foolish to them, but prove me and I will show you. I lost my job a couple years ago now. It seems like so, so recently, but it's almost two years and we did our taxes this year, and I apologize for the personal reference, but we were in a house that was expensive. I needed a new job and got up, opened a door, but it wasn't enough income. And as we walked into it, I just said, Lord, I don't know if this window is the one I'm supposed to take, but all the other doors were closed, so I'm going to take a window that you open. And I crawled through that window, not sure what was going to happen. And when we got done with our taxes this year, we earned more money this year than any of the other years that I call blessed all because I just found a window in prayer and walked through it. That's not bragging about income. That's bragging about a window of opportunity that maybe didn't look perfect, but it was the right thing to do at the right time. God will give you a window. God will open a way. God will make a portal. God will give you access. God will help you if you 
just put your life in his hands. It includes your giving. It includes what you bring to the house of God. Yes, monetarily. That is what it's saying. Prove me with it, saith the Lord of hosts. He's like, this isn't just anybody talking to you, telling you to prove me. This is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of all heavenly hosts talking to you right now. And I'm telling you, prove me with that 10% and see if I, we paid our tithes all the way through. And God did it. God did it. He does do a work. He's the Lord of hosts. And he said, prove me in it if I will not open you the windows of heaven. Someone say the windows of heaven. The word window there in the original language is Aruba. Not an island a few miles off of Venezuela for a vacation destination. <laughs> but Aruba, it means that he will open up a blessing. So you have to understand that there's a powerful lesson here, and I'm going to try to give it to you. Hopefully this works. I'm not sure it will because this is Home Depot special. But um, when we open a, a window of prayer, we open from the bottom up. But whenever you leave, leave it unlocked in, by using giving. So if you give your giving, if you give your tithes to God, it unlocks a window. And when you unlock that window, it opens a window from heaven down. You have to understand that this window does not close. No man can close that window. He said, I will open a window for you from heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. In other words, when we open windows, we may pray small prayers because we have small revelation, or we may pay, pray bigger prayers because we have bigger faith. But the truth of the matter is, most of our prayers are too small for God. He's waiting on you to pray something that scares you half to death because he's bigger than even that. Amen. Amen. And so sometimes we only lift small prayers, open small windows. But when you put your prayer down and you put your giving down and say, God, I honor you with my life and prayer. I honor you with my finances and giving. A window opens from heaven down and the blessings start to flow into your life. And you realize whether you do your taxes or you do something else, you realize we don't have enough to contain all that God is giving. I want wonder if there's an opportunity in the house of God for us to rise to our feet and say there's still windows in the house of God. There's still availability in the house of God. There's still a blessing waiting on somebody in the house of God. If I can't get a window up, I'm going to come sow a seed and have a window open from heaven down and the blessings shall be poured out and you will not be able to receive it. There's so much cannot contain it. Prayer opens our window of revelation of God, but giving opens his window of revelation of blessing on his church. How much does he want to bless you? How much are his thoughts towards you? How much does he love you? That is the size of the opening that God opens when we give. Amen, somebody. I know it's so basic. Prayer and giving. Prayer and giving. In the Old Testament, you see all kinds of beautiful examples of the windows of heaven. 
There's concepts in First Chronicles. There's things in Second Kings. Proverbs talks about, for at the windows of my house, I looked out through the lattice. Talks about places where there's, there's moments where there was victory given when arrows were shot out the windows. There's places in Scripture where it, sh- it talks about that the windows are open in the house of the city walls and that, that there was places where individuals were saved by being let down out of the windows and where Rahab put a scarlet rope out the window and it saved her and her family. The windows of God are precious and the places where we find prayer and giving are places where not only can we be saved, but our whole family can be saved from the blessings of God that we can turn things around and we can begin anew with the windows of heaven. So I pray today for every person that's in this place, I'm going to just tell you under the anointing of Almighty God, that if you were ever abused in a situation where you felt like a door slammed in your face and you felt like you were rejected or you felt like you were put out, I want to tell you that go find a window because even though the door may have closed, there's still a window open. And I want you to know that if you ever have been spiritually abused by a pastor or by somebody who didn't understand how they were misusing the word of God. Hear me online. I apologize for that pastor right now. And please just take my word for it. Nobody wants to hurt anybody from a pulpit. And if they've done it, they'll answer to God for it. But if there has ever been a feeling in your heart that the door to the house of God has been slammed closed because of somebody misusing, misquoting, or misrepresenting the word of God. I want you to know there's still a window open at the house of God. If you have a response to the priest's word or you have a response to a preacher of, oh, I have to guard myself and you don't know a pastor that loves you more than he loves his own meals and fasts for you and spends time on his knees in prayer for you. If you don't know a pastor like that and every time someone talks about church or religion, you have your heart doors closed, shut. I want to tell you, there's still a window open. There's still an opportunity for you to come back to God. Would you please forgive them for doing wrong and handling things wrong? And would you please pray a window open and come back to the Lord today? Would you forgive those that use the doors of the house wrong? And remember, there's still windows at the house of God. There's still an opening for you. There's still a way home. There's still a way in. Even if it was done wrong, please remember they're only human and humans make mistakes and humans are often hypocritical. Whether we like it or not, we'll say things and we'll do things that sometimes turn on us and make us look like we're not doing everything the way we should. But to honest, to humble people, they will come and they will fall on their knees and begin to pray. And every door that slams shut will have a window standing 
standing next to it that's wide open. You hear me? You can crawl back home, not because it feels good all the time, but because God will start to bless you and you'll understand that you are the church. It's not a building where doors got shut, but you literally are the church and you have to open your heart because you can't help but respond to the blessing and the kindness and the goodness of the open windows of God in your life. What does it mean to walk with God to where every time a song comes on, your soul is so blessed that you're hiding tears at work? What does it mean to be so in love with someone you've never seen but you feel all the time? And he walks into your morning devotions and opens up windows. And he walks into your daily life. You'll be busy just doing something at work and suddenly a window will open. Why? Because God knows your giving and God knows your prayers and God knows your heart and he loves you that much. He loves loves you enough to open a window. I don't know if you're like me, but there's something about driving down the road with your arm out the window. (laughs) I mean, something about that hand over the steering wheel and that arm out the window in the summertime. I'm just waiting on it. You ready for it? Oh, Lord, am I ready for that? Warm weather. Something about an open window just makes you feel free. And God has chosen to give you windows that are open so that you can live in the freedom of God. I know it's basic. I know it's a basic illustration. But I want you to know if you get this right, if you get prayer opening windows that are that are seemingly, that are unlocked whenever doors are closed and giving to open windows from heaven, you will live a blessed and beautiful life. You will see the giving and gifting of the Lord in your life, and you will know that God knows how to best open windows. Amen? That nothing and no one is locked out. Can I say it again? Nothing and no one is locked out. He can save to the uttermost. He can open a window of opportunity for anybody. Don't you dare close up the house of God and lock all the windows and say they can't get in. I don't care what they're wearing. I don't care if they got face tattoos and they're all messed up and they have have drugs in their vein when they walk in or they have alcohol from the night before. Leave a window open, please, at the house of God. I don't know if somebody else would have closed the door on them, but God has still got an open window for them. I don't care what their background is. I don't care where they came from. There's an open window of opportunity at the house of God. Amen? Would you stand with me today? I pray that God reminds us that it's not where you came from, but it's where you're going that's most important. It's not how he found you, but how he's going to leave you that's most important. And whenever you can't find a door open, please, somebody find a window. 
when they're singing the worship set and nothing is happening in this room, somebody please find a window of anointing in worship. When there's something not happening or someone's not receiving the power of the Holy Ghost in the altars, somebody please go find an open window in prayer and say, God, fill people with the Holy Ghost at the house of God. God, do your blessed work. God, open a window. Please, somebody that knows this revelation, it may seem so basic, but it's not. It's the power of God moving in our midst through an open window. I kind of think of, as I close today, the disciples in the upper room. They're back in Jerusalem 10 days after the crucifixion. There wasn't a popular opinion toward them. They didn't have, you know, favors being offered and coupons being thrown their way to have dinner at special restaurants. I just imagine if, if, it, if it's wrong, fine. I just imagine they all gathered in the upper room and they locked the door. They said, we don't, we don't want anybody coming in that shouldn't be here. Jesus told us to come here and wait for the promise of the Father that we would receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon us and we're supposed to wait here till then. But I wonder, I wonder if while the door was locked, there wasn't a window open. I wonder if the first falling of the Holy Spirit was through a window. I wonder if God left a window open for the Gentile nation. I wonder if God moved all of those years teaching Israel how to approach him only to have a window open in Acts chapter 2 and fill the house where all of them were sitting and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Oh, the door may have been locked, but there was a window open and there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting where the doors are locked and closed the windows of the house of God need to stay open would you bow your head with me and if there's someone in this room who has run slap into a locked door someone in this room who's ran slap into a, a locked out situation there's someone in this room that feel like, feels like their heart has been locked out to God. I want you to respond right now because there's still a window of opportunity open. His spirit is calling you right now. This altar's open when we respond to this word. Come find a window, somebody. Come find a window for your children. Somebody come find a window for your family members. Somebody find a window of fresh wind of Holy Ghost in your life. Somebody find a window of fresh opportunity. Somebody find an open door because you went through a window. Somebody find a window.